0: You're listening to Run with the Bulls, a podcast discussing a unique approach to everyday finance with everyday people. Run with the Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro, a financial wellness company. Now, your hosts, author Danny Kofke and the royalty of financial wellness, Whitney Queen. Welcome to Run with the Bulls. My name is Danny Kofke and I'm a motivational mentor with Mentoro. I'm joined by the president of Mentoro, Whitney Queen.
1: Hey, Whit. Hey, Danny, and hello to all of our listeners. So from my notes, it looks like you are going to play some songs for me today. Uh, so Where uh, is
0: this going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't get too ahead of yourself, Witt. First, it's quiz time. Oh, good. Do you know who Lou Perlman was? The name ringing any Bells?
1: Well – to be honest, no. I only know because I Googled when I saw it in your notes. So okay. I kind of cheated. You did? But
0: okay. Well, I mean, that's... I like, have a general idea. It's a good class president. You, right. you know, always use what you can to your advantage. There but, we go. But, I mean, you should kind of... Once we get into it, you'll know the name. Because you graduated high school, what, 2007? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah? Okay. So when this song was popular... You were probably just like a little second grader trying to imitate Sporty Spice. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, accurate? I mean Posh Posh was posh. really more my uh, who I wanted to be, but yeah.
0: Okay, Sport. Okay, okay. we'll, we'll take a listen with. It.
1: <laughs> yeah, I um I kind of wanted to get my hair brushed and stand in front of the mirror. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to age myself a little bit, but I was in fourth grade. Fourth grade. And I okay. got that CD and a boom box for my birthday. A boom And box. I thought I was dope as hell. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> you walked around on your shoulder? <laughs> yes. No. No? No. no, no.
1: It, it didn't have batteries. It was plug-in. Yeah. Ah, wasn't that okay. fancy. But if only. If only. If only. Yes. Okay.
0: Well, well, good. So, yeah. So, I'm sure you enjoyed that one. So, I do have another uh, song for you. <laughs> so, this one, it came out a couple years later, and I bet you could probably still do the dance to it. Back back, back back. yeah yeah you got the dance to oh that yeah, one?
1: I can do it with my you hands can. okay. You can't see everybody listening, but I'm doing the dance Ba ba ba. every year actually on um uh, on the first of May, I celebrate that song because you know the joke when he says it's gonna be me, he uh-huh. says it's gonna be May uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. So, so everybody you, does the dance at the beginning dance? of May
0: yeah wow you'll have to do that this year in the mentor office. <laughs> Yeah. I can't wait till May. This yeah. will be great. This will be great.
1: So uh, if this is what we're going to do in the episode today, is, yeah, that, just is play that the deal? Yeah, just play all boy
0: band songs. I Are love you down it. with it?
1: I love it. I yeah. love it.
0: Well, you know, as much fun as that would be, and I, I would enjoy it, it's not going to happen, right? So, <laughs> so maybe later on we'll play a couple more. But I did play those songs for a reason. So before playing the songs, I asked you, who Luke Perlman was, and I gave you two big hints, and I know you Googled now, so I'm sure you know the answer. (laughs)
1: Yes, yes. I do know now he was the guy behind the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, right?
0: Yeah. Hit me, baby, one more time. Oh, oh and Britney Spears, uh, Well, I don't it. think he was. Well, uh, I guess he has a connection because, I mean, Timberlake. Well, but no. But he was the man, <laughs> yes, behind Backstreet Boys and seeing some of those boy bands.
1: Okay. So what does this have to do with the personal finance yes, podcast?
0: I knew that was coming. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you asked. So in addition to these boy bands, Lou was also accused of running the largest Ponzi schemes in U.S. history, so one of the largest ones. In fact, he owed more than $300 million. Mm -hmm. So after being apprehended, he pled guilty to conspiracy, money laundering, and making false statements during a bankruptcy proceeding. In 2008, he was convicted and sentenced to serve 25 years in prison. And he died while in federal custody in 2016.
1: Yikes, Lou. Uh, Guess he didn't quit playing games with others' hearts, (laughs) huh? (laughs) I like
0: like Mm -hmm. how you did that. Yeah, yeah. Very, very (laughs) nice. Very nice. So, and if you ever find yourself on Jeopardy, Whitney, this little knowledge will help you. Lou's cousin was Art Garfunkel, one half of the great musical duo Simon and Garfunkel.
1: Uh Oh, a small world, Uh uh small world. You are a wealth of knowledge, Danny. Yeah, I try, I try. So you mentioned that Lou Pearlman ran one of the largest Ponzi schemes in history. Um, I think it probably would be good if we talked a little bit about that. Like, what exactly is a Ponzi scheme and how did it come about?
0: Yeah, I mean, and we hear that. That term tossed out sometimes and sure. sometimes it's in the news like even uh you know i guess what was a few months ago with um sam bankman fried where they're talking you know and that kind of mm-hmm. wasn't it was more of the you know swindling investors but yeah we hear that a lot where people are like oh it was a ponzi scheme so yeah that's what i thought today we would just kind of take a dive so that way when people hear okay a ponzi scheme can kind of learn exactly where that came from
1: I love it. I love it. So, coming up after the break, a look at the man who made money go bye, bye, bye. Like what you're hearing on Run with the Bulls? Want a little more? Visit mymentoro.com and use organization code Run with the Bulls to set up your free account today.
0: Welcome back. On this episode, we are discussing something many of us have heard of—a Ponzi scheme. But how did these schemes get their name?
1: First off, a Ponzi scheme is an investment opportunity that is not what it appears to be. In fact, it is a complete con. The way that it works is that you have to use, or in most cases, steal money from newer investors to pay back earlier ones. So it's kind of the whole like robbing Peter to pay Paul on steroids.
0: Yeah, I mean, correct. So, I mean, Charles Ponzi was born in Italy. And in 1903, he did what many immigrants looking for a better life did hopped on a boat, and headed to the land of opportunity, America.
1: Mm. During his life, Charles was always looking for the thing that uh, was going to make him rich, right? In search of this pot of gold, Ponzi held many jobs.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was a millennial before his time. (laughs) So Charles worked in a bank. He was a nurse, a sign painter, a, a waiter, a librarian, and the list. It goes on and on.
1: By the year 1919, Charles had spent 15 years trying to make it. One day, while looking through his mail, an idea sparked. He opened one letter that contained an international reply coupon.
0: Hmm, interesting. So what exactly is an international reply coupon?
1: Glad you asked. It is a coupon that enables you to buy a stamp in another country. Remember, this is the year 1919. Many still had relatives living overseas. Let's say you wanted to mail a letter to your grandfather who was living in Paris and you wanted to get one back in return, okay? You can't send him a self-addressed stamped envelope since U.S. stamps would be on it. You can't send him U.S. currency since that would be useless in France. True. You can't send him francs because you are paid in the United States okay. dollar. Uh-huh. So instead, you send him an international reply coupon. This is something that you buy at United States post office, and then your grandfather redeems at his post office for a French stamp.
0: Interesting. So basically, it was a way to prepay for a reply. And this is where Ponzi got his idea. In 1919, World War I had just ended. In addition, many European countries were struggling due to the Spanish flu.
1: Mm-hmm. We all know how bad COVID was. <laughs> but the Spanish flu was much, much worse. In fact, the Spanish flu remains the most deadly flu pandemic to date, having killed an estimated 1% to 3% of the world's population. <sighs>
0: So, um, so when you think back, I mean, imagine how, how hectic it was during COVID. So mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot worse there. So, you know, the times were hectic and things were definitely changing. One thing that was changing fast was the value of European currencies. Many had been going down. However, the organization that priced international reply coupons did not make adjustments on the cost of these. That meant that these coupons could be bought in Europe. At a reduced price. Mm.
1: So for instance, let's say you could buy one international reply coupon for five cents here in the States. Okay. That would be 20 for a dollar. Mm-hmm. The value of the French franc was worth about a fifth of a dollar. Okay. So in France, you could buy about five times more of these coupons for the equivalent of one U.S. dollar. Ah,
0: okay, okay. Following the math, huh? Yes, yes. So, so Charles realized he could make a lot of money doing this. And... It was legal, right? There's nothing wrong with it. However, there are some details Ponzi can't determine yet, like how to transport these coupons back to the States and how to sell them for cash. But those are just minor details, right? He'll figure it out later. Now is the time to go big or go home. So to
1: begin, he starts a business. You will never guess the name he comes up with, Danny.
0: Hmm. The, the, The Ponzi Prophet.
1: Nope. Nope. He calls his business the Securities Exchange Company. The SEC.
0: Oh, like the what Georgia is? Oh wait, no, different SEC. Different,
1: oh, yeah, I yeah, knew yeah, it okay. was bound to happen. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. So this is before the Securities Exchange Commission, mm-hmm. the SEC, uh-huh. was established. Pretty ironic. Next, Ponzi starts asking around to see who will invest in his company. He tells them if they give him cash up front, he will make a large profit by purchasing and selling these international reply coupons. And once these profits start rolling in, he will share them with the investors. Mm
0: -hmm. And this is where this scheme started. Ponzi was getting people to invest with promised returns, but had not figured out how he was actually going to make the money to give them the returns. So he told his investors just enough to make it seem like a great idea. However, when questioned with how he was going to sell these for cash, he would reply, reply with something like, "This that is insider information, and I can't tell you." Uh
1: huh. The old insider line, mm-hmm. nice. Uh, that should have been a sign. If you don't understand what you're investing in, you should not do it at all. Right. But Ponzi was a skilled salesman, clearly. If a potential investor was hesitant, he'd ask something like, how much interest are you earning from your bank account? Maybe 2 or 3%. Well, I can pay you 50% in just 90 days. So if you invest $200 with me now, I'll pay you $300 three months from now.
0: And this is where many of his investors went wrong. They let their emotions, hmm, kind of sounds familiar, right? Mm-hmm. Let their emotions get in the way. How could he promise these returns that were so amazing? But his investors did not think about this, and the money started rolling in. In fact, it got to the point where a million dollars a week was coming in. And think about it, I mean, way back how much now? In 1919. Yeah, yeah, my gosh. Right.
1: When looking back, it can be easy to see why so many were duped. Ponzi started this con at just the right time in 1919. Thinking back to your high school history days, do you remember what, what the 1920s were referring mm-hmm. to? Yeah,
0: the, the roaring 20s when America, I mean, Babe Ruth, base. I mean, everything was just like taken off.
1: Exactly. This decade promoted that here in America, anything was possible. Riches could be made by anyone. So investors believed if others could achieve wealth, they could too.
0: And this should have been another warning sign. The expectations that you can get rich quick. This is not just exclusive to the Roaring Twenties. It happens any the economy gets hot. From flipping houses to investing in Bitcoin, you see others get rich and you want in.
1: Exactly. Okay, so we've set the stage. Coming up after the break, the rise and ultimate fall of the Ponzi scheme.
0: Connect with us on social media. Search at Mentoro Group on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.
1: Welcome back. Before the break, we were discussing how Charles Ponzi was growing his fake business.
0: Yes. So his business was taking off. But remember, he never figured out those little details of how he was actually going to make money. In fact, he never even used his investors' money to buy those international reply coupons. Instead, when investors asked for their money, he paid them with money he was receiving from new investors. Thus, the Ponzi scheme was Mm. established.
1: Yes. Okay. Ponzi schemes usually happen in areas that are fairly new and not heavily regulated, A recent one that was uh, Ponzi-like was Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, Mm -hmm. which you were bringing up earlier. Regulators did not start taking a look at Ponzi's business but were perplexed. One of the first regulators that visited Ponzi explained that he was making sure individuals were not being charged too much interest. Charles made it clear that he was doing the complete opposite. He was the one paying their interest.
0: I mean, yeah, he was. So this scheme continued and grew bigger and bigger. At its peak in July of 1920, Ponzi took in almost $6.5 million from 20,000 investors in one month. He was living the dream. He lived in a mansion, had a limo, was on the front page of newspapers had the life of a kardashian
1: (laughs) (laughs) but like every ponzi scheme things began to come clear so remember in order to keep this game going charles needed new investors he now needed more than ever to keep paying earlier investors their promised 50 percent interest
0: yes so the scheme really started to unravel when someone sued charles this person said they were part owner of his company while this was being sorted out, a court decided to freeze Ponzi's bank accounts. This caused a panic among his investors, and thousands showed up at his office demanding their money back.
1: Like a bank run.
0: <laughs> exactly. But the smooth Ponzi settles everyone down. He pays everyone who wants their their money and survives this run.
1: This attention, however, has caught the attention of regulators. Ponzi tells them they can take a deep look into his financial books and even pick the auditor. However, this is nothing but a tactic to give Ponzi time to scheme. He has been spending a lot on personal things and on businesses. He even is part owner of a number of banks.
0: Mm. And we also need to go back to that original problem that started this whole thing. How to make money by selling international reply coupons. Charles never figured out how to do so. He knows he cannot come up with the money he owes to all his investors and is starting to get desperate.
1: Ponzi knows there will come a moment when the auditor will add up all his debts and realize he does not have the money to pay back his investors. He then thinks up a crazy plan.
0: (laughs) Yes, he is going to get all of his bank books and cash and head over to the auditor's office. However, on the way, he is going to make a stop.
1: That's right. Charles is going to stop at one of the banks he purchased have an employee open the vault, borrow a few million dollars to show the auditor, return this money, and then continue doing so.
0: <laughs> I mean, so basically he's going to rob his own bank and then deposit the money he stole.
1: This is honestly <laughs> crazier than most fiction stories. Uh-huh. Eventually, the auditor finished his work and discovers Ponzi owes $7 million but only has $4 million in assets. Charles turns himself in. He spent most of the Roaring Twenties, unfortunately, behind bars.
0: And Charles Ponzi ended up in Brazil and died with $75 to his name. But he will live on because of a brief period of time when he took advantage of FOMO before it was even a popular acronym.
1: Man, since this happened so long ago, there's no way a Ponzi scheme could happen in modern times, right?
0: Two words for a (laughs) minute. Bernie Madoff.
1: <laughs> right. You are. That could be a topic for a whole nother episode. I'm pretty sure.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, and maybe a Netflix documentary. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out <laughs> there it probably. Uh-huh. could be. But, you know, it, it's kind of like, listen, to this whole story, like a lot of times people will say, oh, that's a Ponzi scheme. So, you know, you can see exactly what a Ponzi scheme is here. Like some people will say like, oh, like Mary Kay's a Mary Kay's on a Ponzi scheme. Mm -hmm. It's more of a pyramid to where people up top are making money off people, you know, below them, but they are making money. So a Ponzi scheme is like this, where you really aren't making money. So, in essence, you're paying people money with money that other people are investing with you, like Bernie Madoff did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, so people don't get confused. So there are, you know... Companies out there that you can work at the bottom, like I mentioned, Mary Kay, there's other ones out there, too, that you work your way up. Like, I think Primerica's one with investments. And, mm-hmm. you know, t if that's the way you want to do it, you can do it. So they're not, like, in this case, a Ponzi scheme where there is no money. It's just the higher-ups are starting to make more money off the ones below them.
1: Well, I think the differentiating factor between a Ponzi scheme and, like, affiliate marketing mm-hmm. or something like that would be, you know— With Mary Kay, there's a product, and there's a well-known and reputable product, Mm -hmm. and a a series of product, and a a woman at the figurehead, and many many Cadillacs, right? Isn't that Mary Kay? (laughs) It is, yeah. 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 But you know, there's a very established brand and a long, long history of Mm -hmm. credibility there, right? the Ponzi scheme. There's not actually a product. There's not even a service, right. right? There's no exchange of anything. It's just investors investing and not getting anything in return. Mm-hmm. It's just the hope of something in the future. Yeah. So I think that's the clear difference between the two of them, at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. But it is tricky because um, in today's world, there's a lot of affiliate marketing, yes. yes, going on, and it's it's very popular on TikTok and Reels, and and you know, it's the get rich quick right piece of it so right. being able to discern between what's real and what's not is sure. pretty but, tough. but
0: yeah to your point they are like the essential oils a few years ago i know those yeah. took off for people so i mean like yeah you work your way up and then you have people under you selling the oils. i mean they're still selling a product so you know a, a difference between a ponzi scheme some people think you know they, they call them like pyramid scheme well you know they are still selling a product so right. you but when you understand hey I'm starting off low and if I sell enough, I'm going to move my way up. So, I mean, you can be comfortable, but at least you're selling a product and it's not – you're not ripping someone off and not having – inventing something. So there is a difference. Yeah,
1: it's true. Um, This is going down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I love to watch American Greed, Uh which is like nothing but Ponzi schemes. So if anybody is interested, you guys should watch it. It's great. Um, But there's one where a guy – uh, did a Ponzi scheme around wine, vintage wines. Oh. And he would have people invest in these bottles when they would come available, and, but he would have too many people investing in one bottle and then not enough bottles in production uh. to... That's that's the gist of it. That's a whole juicy story attached to it. But it's... it's um, investing in the future, which an interesting topic too. Sure, sure.
0: <laughs> So, you know, after hearing this story, do you have any advice for, you know, for others to avoid a Ponzi scheme?
1: I mean, I think it's, it's pretty basic. Um, but if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And so I would say, like you touched on it earlier with emotion, just try not to make emotional decisions when it has to do with your money. Take some time, look into it, read into it, um, evaluate some of these things we've been talking about. Is there an actual exchange of a good or service for the money that you're paying? Or are you investing something into the future? And if you're investing something into the future, does it have you know, something that's regulated, like the stock market, or does it have people who are reputable, credible? I mean, yeah,
0: I mean, credible. I mean, and that's the thing, though, but but Bernie Madoff was credible, too. So, I mean, I think you have to kind of go even a little deeper, like, you know, I I think it kind of all goes back, and we've talked about with lottery winners, athletes, it's like the get rich quick, like, and it's almost like that, like, oh, and with the FOMO, fear of missing out, but I want this. And I really don't understand it. And mm-hmm. I think that's a big key. If I can, you know, I invest every single month. Do I understand the ins and outs of the stock market? No, I don't. I mean, I could research it. I know I have, you know, what, what my mutual funds are. I can look it up and see exactly what's, comp- and I know it's an actual product, though. Do I know yeah. everything about it? No. But there are, I know the money I invest, I, there is an actual product out there. So I have a a basic understanding of it. So I think for me, a lot of people, when you don't understand something and then it just sounds too good to be true, Mm -hmm. it usually is. Yeah.
1: All very, very good points. And I think another good uh, reminder would be if you're budgeting properly and your financial house is in order and you have this little bit that you want to take the to see yes. okay, use that to take the risk to see it's it's no different like we've talked about in the past of just going to Vegas and throwing That's it all right. on black. Mm-hmm. If you have that there then it's not like you're throwing everything right. that you have into this one possible Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. you know, you're just potentially, either making it big or sure. throwing it it's away. It's entertainment. Like, yeah. in a way,
0: it's kind of like your entertainment money where, if, yeah, if you, you know, it's like no different than day trading. Like, hey, I right. think I can do this, but yes, 100%. Exactly. So, you know, for me, like, if, if someone's going to say, you know, how, how to avoid it, I would say if you ask someone how they are making their money and the response is, I want it that <laughs> way. It might be time to run.
1: I think maybe. Yes. On that note, (laughs) it's definitely time for us to run. All right, guys. Please check us out on social media. We're at all your usual places. And if you ever have an idea for a topic you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at podcast at mentorgroup.com. Danny, thank you for helping us understand the scheme.
0: And this might be my last episode after producers have just heard my musical talents. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen. You may be riding solo while it lasts. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know. Just (laughs) perhaps.
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We'll all hold our breath. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for listening. Catch us next time as we run with the Bulls.
0: Run with the Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro and hosted by Danny Kofke and Whitney Queen. Learn more by visiting mentorogroup.com.